Many months ago, I was in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. I was there for 10 days, staying in a small apartment all by myself, working remotely during the day and exploring the city in the evenings. While I was there, I shared a tweet from Nomadic Matt in my Instagram stories. The tweet read, I'm a big believer in the idea that we shouldn't work our lives away and that we should take short breaks to pursue our passions. Why should I spend my best years in an office, saving money for an age I may not ever see, or if I do, might be too sick to enjoy? This tweet really resonated with me, particularly in that moment, because I had agonized over whether or not I should spend the money to go to Puerto Vallarta. Finding the right balance between travel and life can be hard. Especially as I get older, I feel more and more pressure to follow the traditional life path which, let's be honest, doesn't include tons of world travel. So today, I'm chatting with my friend and fellow podcaster, Amanda Kendall. We're having an honest discussion about how we've made travel fit into our lives while balancing work, finances, family, and other commitments. If you've listened to Alpaca My Bags before, you'll know I'm a huge fan of Amanda. She writes and podcasts about travel in a way that is both fun and meaningful. You can find her work on her blog, Not a Ballerina, and by listening to her podcast, The Thoughtful Travel Podcast. Okay, if this is the first time you've listened to Alpaca My Bags, you've got an entire season to go through. But if this is the first time, please make sure that you hit the follow button right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We're at Alpaca My Bags Pod. You can also DM us or even email us anytime. All of our contact info is in the show notes. Okay, well, I'm really happy to be chatting with you because you're my favorite guest always on this show. Well, that sounds fair because you're my favorite podcast, so. Oh, ditto. (laughs) It's a good love fest here. (laughs) It is. I love it. (laughs) So, Amanda, many months ago, I was in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And while I was there, I shared a tweet from Nomadic Matt in our Instagram stories. And I shared this because I'm not even a big Twitter person. Both of you know this. But I shared this tweet because I really related to it. And it's this is a discussion I've had, like, even with my friends here in Toronto. Like, a lot of us had said, why can't we just, like, every once in a while take two to three months off of work and, like, work on something else? Why is this so frowned upon? And so when I shared the tweet, I wrote a caption with the tweet saying that I sometimes feel a little insecure that I'm quote unquote behind. My partner and I still live in our small rented apartment. We can't afford property in the city that we love. And sometimes we wonder if spending our 20s essentially traveling like most of the time and delaying our careers was a mistake. So I bring this up because you sent me a reply to that Instagram story, and it was really reassuring. It made me feel so much better. So I was hoping you could start by basically just resharing that reply. 
So I said something like, don't worry, because <laughs> I spent most of my 20s traveling abroad and living abroad. In fact, I left Perth when I was 25. I left a good job. I left a job that I had, it was a promotion I'd had for about a year, and I'd expected to get to that when I was in my 40s. So I kind of thought, oh, you know, I've quote unquote made it now. You know, life is fine now, but it didn't actually feel like that at all. And I thought, well, what do I do now? If this was the job I was going to have in my 40s and I'm 24, 25 now, what do I do? Do I just sit around and keep doing that for 15 years? That sounded miserable. And yeah, long story short, I left in my mid-20s and spent nearly six years traveling and living abroad. So I worked part of that time and, you know, full disclosure, when I was working in Japan, I was able to save some money and send some money home. But after that, in Europe, I didn't have the salary that enabled me to do that. I spent everything plus some of my savings on traveling. And I absolutely do not regret a second of that. There's no way I would go back uh, and change any part of that, except maybe leaving earlier and traveling longer. (laughs) You know, that's probably the only thing I would change. And now, I mean, so I'm in my mid-40s. Definitely some of my friends who didn't do things like that, they have fancier cars And they have bigger houses, but I wouldn't swap any of that either. I have all of these amazing experiences and memories. In fact, in my my group of close friends, say from high school, most of us did this. Most of us spent a lot of our 20s traveling uh, or living overseas. And the ones who don't have definitely expressed some regret. And like I have a smaller home. I don't care. It's certainly big enough on a cleaning day, it feels like it's much too big. And I think, what do these people do with all these extra rooms, you know, that they're having to take care of and that? I don't know. (laughs) I think what really drives this home for me is last year, I lost a really dear friend um, to cancer. She was only 38 and I know that she wanted to travel more. And her big motto was live fearlessly. So I think of this constantly and yes, absolutely. I feel reassured. I have done what for me was the right thing. And I don't feel behind, I feel in front. Obviously, I didn't put all of that in a tweet, but that's my quote unquote short summary. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring up your friend who passed away because I I think we also talked about this, but I also lost a really close friend. I was in my mid twenties. I think he was 32 when he passed away and it was very sudden. And similarly, like one of the reasons we were such good friends was because he also was a big traveler and like was willing to quit his job at any moment to go and travel. And this is something that we really connected on. And when he passed away, it was very jarring for me to realize that like, even in your 30s, like nothing is guaranteed. I don't know, because I I said I felt behind, but I guess like I kind of flip-flop on it. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel behind and other times I think I have done so many cool things that I'm really proud of with that time. It is important to think about though. So I actually, it must have been when we were about to record this and I mentioned it on Instagram or something and a travel journal friend of mine who has moved and lived away from Australia a lot and she messaged me and she said, um, I don't want to be a poor 70-year-old travel writer eating beans. Nothing cool <laughs> about that. <laughs> so, you know, you can't not think about it. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And especially, like sadly, especially women, a lot of them, if they don't end up with someone else to support them as well, then that can be a really, you know, beans eating situation. So, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but I also had another thought, sorry, I've got lots of, lots of thoughts, but I think, you know, so I'm now, you know, quite successful in my career. I can pay my mortgage well. It's all fine. 
I think a lot of that actually arose from my travels and it gave me so many skills and contacts and all kinds of things that have actually made my career way better. Yeah, you know, I've talked about this. Actually, I've talked about it on TikTok because a lot of my audience there is like younger. So I'm like the older person giving (laughs) advice to like 22 year olds. And I actually said that to someone recently that like, actually, before I traveled a lot, I was very shy and going and traveling by myself kind of forced me out of my comfort zone and made me much more personable, I think. And when we came back from like our long, long trip, Luke and I, I think it helped me a lot, like kickstart my career because I got a job quite fast and I like interviewed well. And I think it was because I was very comfortable talking to people I didn't know because I'd been doing it for almost a year straight. A hundred percent. So I'm, you know, perceived as being quite outgoing and quite a social person. And I think I am now, but I absolutely was not. I was really, really shy um, in my early twenties and not good at chatting with people, but traveling and especially because I worked as a, as an ESL teacher and I had to make conversation with all kinds of people all the time, like that was my job. It really forced me to change. And, and of course, traveling being, you know, taking lots of risks and uh, figuring out that, you know, life always kind of works out, things, you know, you don't know where you're going, but you find a way and all of those kind of lessons that you learn through travel, like that absolutely changed my personality fundamentally. You know, that skill of getting along with people is one of the reasons that I'm, you know, successful in my career. It's, you know, I lead workshops, I work as a uni lecturer, all sorts of things that require me to be very people friendly. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's definitely served me extremely well. And I would not have changed that way by staying home. Okay, so before we dive further into this, I thought it was important that we acknowledge that you and I both have various privileges that are going to shape the way we talk about this. We're going to be talking a little bit about money, about spending money and time on leisure activities like travel, which is a major privilege. And of course, discussing financial stuff like home ownership and retirement funds is a major privilege too, because many people don't ever see that in their lifetime. So having said this, I think that wondering if travel make you fall behind in life is something that a lot of people in the travel community struggle with. I have talked about it with Luke pretty often. I've also talked about this with you and other friends I have in the travel community. But I'm curious, is this something you've also found yourself talking about with other travelers? I think my age group perhaps don't talk about it as much as we should. And perhaps it's also like an element of, I don't know if it's shame or worry or anxiety or something that because we are, you know, my age group in our 40s or 50s, we should be established and we should have everything sorted out by now, you know, quote unquote should. Uh, I think people don't talk about it as much as would be useful. And back when I was traveling a lot, nobody talked about it at all. So the only discussions I had back then were people telling me not to go. Uh, I can still remember the people who told me not to go. I kind of still have a negative association with those people because they were wrong. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same yes. time, like, I appreciate, you know, where that came from. You know, their concerns about, you know, not being financially stable or I get that. I do know a lot of people who are very, I know it's a privileged thing to say, but over-concerned about about being secure and having having paid off their mortgage by a certain age and those sorts of things. And yeah, it's important to have some 
degree of financial autonomy, etc. But life is also for having these amazing experiences when you can. Yeah, I have heard like through extended family too many times now, situations where people live their life that way, where the focus was always, let's get the mortgage paid, let's reach all these financial goals. And then people make it to their 60s and then have a health issue or pass away. And I find that so sad because it's like you worked so hard and never got to actually enjoy what you worked so hard to achieve, which is why also like I do think it's important to like think about your finances and think about like your future security, but in balance with enjoying your life while you're actually living it. But I want to go back to what you said about someone telling you not to go because I'm also very salty about people saying this to me because when I graduated (laughs) grad school, I told everyone, I was like, I'm not working, I'm traveling. And I worked as a server for several months and just like banked as much money as I possibly could and then left for almost a year to travel. People straight up said to me that I would not get a job, that it would be too hard to get a job because there was a gap between when I ended school and when I started searching for a job. And I, this is another thing I've told the young folks on TikTok. <laughs> My career is totally fine. Yes, <laughs> Everything exactly. has been totally fine. It was a rough start, but it's a rough start for everyone. And everything has worked out totally fine. I'm like, actually, I'm at the same stage, like in my career as many people that I know who are the same age as me, who have been working now longer than me. And so it's kind of interesting to see like how that happens. I think it's just like, the majority of people don't do this, take that gap. And so it's like people, I don't know, see it as a red flag maybe. And I think if I was interviewing for a job, so I'm self-employed, I haven't interviewed for a job job in decades, but if I was going to be interviewed, if someone disapproved of me and didn't want to hire me because I had a gap of a few years and I explained that I was traveling and they didn't see the value in that, I don't want yeah. to work for them. So exactly. you know, I think yeah. the right employer who can understand the value that travel's brought to you, brought to your life and your skills, well, they're going to understand. And if they don't, that's not my company. So, And they'll celebrate it. And actually, mm. the first job that I got when I came back from Asia, I later found out the manager who hired me told me she thought, that I was a risk taker and she thought that that was interesting and that's why she hired me. There you go. Perfect example. (laughs) (laughs) So you've shared a few of the basics about it, but I was hoping you could share a bit more about your trajectory in life so far how it has departed from the norm and maybe how you've swayed back to the norm in some ways or like found a balance between those things. Give us your story. So I studied mathematics, which is a weird thing to end up where I am, but I went straight into maths education. And so I had a good job in the university sector here from, I was like 19 or so. And I kind of rose through the ranks until I was 25. As I mentioned, I was like, okay, Now I've got to go. So from there, I moved to Japan to teach English. That was super common at the time, like super, super common. Like that was my first step. And I think I was able to do that because I knew I'd also be earning reasonably well there. That kind of felt a bit easier to leave a job job and do that. 
Anyway, from then, then I realized that none of that really mattered. And so I spent a couple of years in teaching in Japan and I moved on to a year in Bratislava in Slovakia and from there to Germany. So I'd always studied German through school. And so that seemed like the ultimate thing to go somewhere where I had already learned some of the language because I was trying to learn languages along the way. And it's really hard, not enough time and not enough exposure when you're teaching English because you've got to speak English all day. So I spent a few years in Germany um, before kind of reluctantly coming back to Australia. I always wanted to come back here when I wanted to have kids because I think Australia is a great place to raise a family. You know, my parents are here and, of course, were, you know, starting to get older. But my career from there was nothing like I'd expected and nothing like what I'd expected or what even existed when I was in high school. So uh, while I was away, I'd started writing for magazines and I'd started blogging and I then managed to pick up work, like running workshops about how to be a blogger. And that turned into working with businesses to help them with social media and blogging. And that's turned into all kinds of things. Like I have, a, I guess, a portfolio career now. I work in um, lots of different organisations. Like I run workshops for businesses in tourism and they send me all around Western Australia to to run those workshops. And I've obviously, you know, I still run a podcast and a blog and um, do lots of different teaching and lots of really fun things. Like my, my working week is very varied and absolutely divine. I love all of the stuff I do. So, so in a sense, I have come back to, you know, and I have a mortgage and all the very grown and a son and all the very grown up stuff. I don't feel very grown up at all, but from the surface, perhaps I might look it. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my trajectory. I don't feel grown up either, but people <laughs> I tell me I do. am. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. I feel like I am a 17 year old who owns a home and has a dog somehow. Yeah. It doesn't feel... Like, it should be legal, but we're making it happen. <laughs> Try that feeling, but you actually have a kid. Like, I have an actual human I'm supposed to be responsible yeah. for. And somehow he's even got to high school and he's still alive. <laughs> it's like, how on earth did I manage this? It's insane. And he's kind of nice. So, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, Amanda. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and what kind of balance do you think you've struck between travel and life? Like how has travel remained part of your life throughout mm. this trajectory? Oh, that's such a good question. So it's changed lately, but for the first sort of decade or so that I was back here and I had a son, had my, well, I still have a son, but when he was primary elementary school age, I managed to still travel heaps. So I would take him out of school without hesitation. He's a smart kid. doesn't seem to matter if he misses school. I'm sure he learns way more when we travel. So we did travel quite a few times a year. Uh, of course, unfortunately, then pandemic and in Western Australia, we were particularly locked in for a long time. So over the last couple of years, we haven't done as much. Uh, and now he's in high school. And so this is a slightly frustrating phase where I don't think we'll have quite the right balance. Having said that, he's now old enough for me to travel more without him and he'll, I mean, he doesn't stay home alone, it's fine. But, um, I mean, you know, he doesn't spend a week at home all, all alone, but he's more independent and so I can travel and he can get himself to and from school and stuff. So, uh, But the funny thing is now the balance is shifting to him. So it used to be me. I would always ask him, where should we go? But really I was controlling things. But So now he's... He's in the state indoor soccer team. And so our January trip is based around the national tournament. And then next year, he's off to the UK for a soccer trip without me. Whoa. And 
And I'm like, and so that's where, you know, a lot of my travel money is going next year is sending him away. And so it's a really weird balance. And I suspect there'll be more soccer trips in his future. Uh, And I'm like, how do I manage to also get me traveling while he's off seeing the world? But at the same time, I'm super excited. Like he's happy. He'll be, you know, a 13 year old. He's happy to go to the UK without me, which is terrifying. But I'm like, wow, I feel like I've done something right to bring up a kid who's happy to do that trip. And I know it'll be life changing for him. And, you know, that's all that I ask is that that I can pass on that love of travel and the benefits that travel brings. So, and then my, my like long-term plan, you know, in five or six years, he'll be finished high school. He'll be probably studying abroad somewhere. And then I hope that the balance will swing back considerably. And because a lot of the work I do, I can do online. So I actually really do think that then I'll spend, you know, months at a time elsewhere, um, moving back and forth, you know, between Australia and big chunks of time in some of the wonderful places that I want to be. You know, life has these kind of phases and that's yeah. the phase I'm in, but I, I know that that phase will go very quickly and then I'll be able to um, explore the world a little bit more. So, you know, the, although I have a little bit of regret that I can't do it more right now, you know, it's a matter of priorities and, you know, a high school kid needs to be in school most of the time and that's okay. I can live with that. So. Yeah, it's funny. I guess like I haven't seen that much change throughout my life so far like in the way that I travel I think like the biggest change is that I used to have jobs that I could easily quit and go back to I was never really tied down by my work for most of my 20s and that was totally by design I spent like most of my 20s working in restaurants as a server and in Canada you can make quite good money as a server especially like in cities like Toronto and so I would just flip-flop I would work for six months bank as much money as I could and then travel for a couple months and then rinse and repeat over and over for years on end sounds perfect (laughs) it was great it really was but then when I finished school it was like well I've worked so hard on these two degrees I should really try to make a go of it and put them to use. And so that's what I did. But that also meant committing to the good old nine to five. But luckily, like I work in a sector that they're quite generous with vacation time. So I'm still able to travel quite a lot, I would say. It's hard with the pandemic, right? Because that changed everything. But like this year I did like two international trips and one digital nomad stint. So that's like three trips. That's pretty good, I think, for someone who works full time. And I think the pandemic, although it stopped us for a while, I think it's opened up this digital nomad kind of style trip a lot more. Uh, I was chatting with someone the other day who works for a you know normal company and uh, had had to go to Egypt for a conference, and they had then allowed her. She's original. She's living in Australia, but originally from Germany. They had allowed her to go on from Egypt to Germany and spend two months based working there, staying with family, and you know having a German Christmas and all of that stuff um, while she's working because she can do it remotely. And that kind of thing definitely would not have happened pre-pandemic. So no. I think that's great. That's kind of exciting because it opens up, you know, much more of this ability to balance some travel and working life. Erin, you mentioned your two degrees. Do you regret getting one extra degree at this point? Uh, or do you use both of them every day. And what are they? I guess I haven't talked about them. So my first degree was English literature. It was combined English literature and film studies. And then I went on to do a master's in cinema studies and media. So I would actually say they factor quite a lot into what I do 
like across everything that I do. I don't regret either of my degrees at all, but I was one of those weird people who really loved school. But me too. I get it. Yeah. I really Same. wanted to be a professor. The problem is it's very hard to get work as a professor, especially in media studies in this country. And so it was like, ooh, probably a bad idea to take that path. But yeah, I think it factors into honestly, like most of the work that I do from my personal projects, like this podcast is a form of media, the blogging that I do, like the social media that I do. I'm a writer in my day job and I do content strategy. And all of that relates back to literature and telling stories, essentially. My grad school years, aside from the years that I've spent traveling, I tell people this all the time, were the best two years of my life because I got to spend two years straight hanging out with eight other people who were as obsessed with film as I was. <laughs> and it was beautiful. And some of my best friends today are from that program. So honestly, it was beautiful. I would never take that back. You've also traveled with them too, haven't you? Oh, yeah. I roped a lot of those grad school people into traveling with me. (laughs) (laughs) Just to close up that thought, I will caveat this to say I was a big school nerd. I don't think everyone is and not everyone needs to be because I really don't think that school is for everyone. I think it's really a problem that like the way our education system works is so catered towards one type of brain. It's, It's a huge problem. And I just lucked out that that worked for me and was very inspiring and motivational for me. But I think a lot of people, it's not, and it's not the right path. So just thought I would say that because I think it's important to remember when talking about education. Katie, did you know that some destinations require proof that you have travel insurance, even for a brief trip? Yes, this is why travel insurance is one of the most important things to pack whenever you travel. Absolutely. Travel insurance is something you should be investing in, regardless of if it's required. That's why I always get World Nomads travel insurance. Whether you're staying in a country for a few days or a few months, it's important to remember that some countries' medical systems are fragile and have limited services and capability. Having insurance like World Nomads helps ensure that you don't become a burden on the local people and economy if you end up needing medical help. World Nomads has simple and flexible benefits that include trip cancellation, emergency medical expense, baggage cover, and more. Buy cover for your trip anytime, anywhere, while at home or already on the road. Benefits limits, conditions, and exclusions apply. Be sure to read your policy wording. Learn more and get a quote at worldnomads.com. The link is in our show notes. Another thing I want to bring up is that I can't help but feel like there's this inherent guilt that people feel. Um, I've definitely felt it when we aren't following the life path that we've been told either by family, friends, or just like society um, to follow. So that's like going to school, starting a career, partnering up, leveling up that career, buying a house, paying for a wedding, working on the house, having kids, saving for retirement. We all know how it goes. I personally feel like a lot of this guilt is rooted in the concept of work. I feel like we all really internalize like this capitalist ideology and it makes us feel like if we aren't achieving those milestones at the right time, that we aren't working hard enough. I'm curious if this resonates with you. Yes, I have 
people have tried to make me think that and to feel that kind of guilt. And I don't know really why, if it's just um, my rebellious nature or, you know, also luck and privilege. I just don't care enough what other people think. (laughs) That's part of it. But also, so... I can't get any clearer than that. No, but um, but also, so my 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 dear dad, bless him, he worked for the same bank for forty four years until he retired, and in fact longer because he then kept going back to do you know little short contracts. So forty four years with the same bank, he had an interesting career. Like they did, you know, he had various roles, and they even sent him to work in Papua New Guinea for a couple of years and things like that. But still, I just that gave me like I couldn't imagine working somewhere. For 44 plus years, it just gave me a natural kind of aversion to traditional employment, I think. And at the same time, my mum was self-employed. So she was a real estate agent and worked from home. And she was one of the first women in Western Australia to have her, to get her real estate license. And so she was quite inspirational in that sense, in being non-traditional. So uh, when she had kids, we would just go with her wherever she went. We saw the inside of most of the houses in Perth when we were little kids. We just followed her around and, you know, that's, you know, and I'm sure there must have been people who really pushed back against her doing that, but I don't remember it. And, you know, she just wanted to do her thing. So all of those experiences were enough to kind of, yeah, dissuade me from having that kind of feeling of guilt. And the other thing was just recently I went to my my school reunion, such my 30th school reunion, which is horrifying when I told my son, he was like, is it 30 years since you started school? Like, this is high school. And I was like, no, it's 30 years since I finished high school, So, which makes me feel very, very old. But anyway, it was very interesting. So I went to I think the 10th, the 20th and the 30th. And so the 10th one, everyone was still very trying to one-up each other and kind of show off. And then at the 20th, everyone had kind of had something bad happen to them. And so, you know, like everyone was a bit more friendly. But then at this one, it was much more about, like, no, I didn't talk to anyone about their current, like, work or career stuff. It was just sort of about how you were feeling kind of. And a lot of people came up to me who I didn't really know, but they probably are, you know, we're probably connected on Facebook or whatever, and they have followed some of the work I do or whatever, but they would come up to me and say, like, it happened multiple times. Oh, I love your adventurous spirit, like in a positive way, (laughs) not like in a, you're crazy, but they actually really kind of express sort of, I don't know, admiration, sounds silly to say, but admiration for my adventurousness. And I don't think I'm adventurous, but I guess this kind of non-traditional work trajectory means that I've been what they think of as adventurous. And I thought, well, that's good. I'm doing something right then. I think about this a lot because I'm especially at an age now where like your job is just so, a lot of people I know don't have kids yet. So it's like your identity is your job. And I think it frustrates me because I'm a bit of a workaholic. I do work hard. I enjoy working, but I also really like not working. I love not working. And I have told people the best feeling in the world is to just like not have a job for a couple months and wake up every day and not know what you're going to do that day. And I've experienced that a few times now because of these like long trips that I've done. And when I would go home and work again, people would be like 
really surprised by how hard I would hustle. I would work like 60 to 80 hour weeks just to save as much money as I possibly could because it was worth it to me to experience that feeling of just like going several months without having a single responsibility other than like figuring out what I would eat and like where I would go in the next few days or weeks. And I just think that's something that so many people, especially in like Western capitalism don't ever experience that sort of freedom to just literally do nothing. And to be spontaneous and be such so in control of your time completely. I think that's, it's like they're so tied up in their work being their identity that there's nothing left otherwise. So if you don't have that, what's it all about? So, but I mean, I'm the same, I'm a workaholic and I love working and I love the work I do, but there needs to be this balance, doesn't there? You always hear, you know, about the people who, you know, drop dead from a heart attack in the middle of a stressful meeting at work and that's all they've ever done and it's been everything and I don't want to mm-hmm. be like that. And I find it a struggle now because, and I like have such a privilege with how much time off I have through my job, but even still I'm like, that's not enough. Six weeks a year to do with myself what I want to do, it just doesn't feel right to me. No, exactly. Capitalism was supposed to save us and, um, you know, modernise the factories were going to let us only work, you know, 10 or 12 hours a week and we'd have all this leisure time yeah. and, and people yeah. just filled it up with more and more and more and more work. And if they're not working, working there, like working at their house to make sure their garden looks as good as their next door neighbours and blah, blah, blah. It's just, I don't know. As much as I am grateful for all the travel that Luke and I are able to do despite having full-time jobs, um, like I think we've struck a really good balance of, of getting in travel that keeps us like happy and fulfilled while also working on our careers. It's like I still chase that feeling of a long trip because like we just spent 12 days in Belize and it was incredible. We had the best time of our lives, but we we still were like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to just do this for like three months straight? Because <laughs> you're still you're sitting there on the beach thinking, oh, I have work in like four days. <laughs> it's very tricky. Balance, in a perfect world, I would say, okay, you can work your career job for six months and then take like a sabbatical every other year. I mean, if we ran the world, we would set it up this way. It would be fine. And I've I've actually read articles about how like we do work too much. The amount of like hours put towards work is not necessary for the amount of output that we have. And Interestingly, in the UK, they just announced, I think something like 100 companies are switching over to a four-day work week because they've also realized this and also realized the benefits of a shorter work week for their workforce because people are happier. And when you're happier, you're better at your job. You're more productive and everything. Absolutely. When I was uh, in my early 20s, so the early 90s, I did my honours thesis on reduced working time. No way. Yeah, like so there'd been there's been talk about this stuff for decades. The four day work week or um schemes like they have it in the teaching system here where you can get paid at eighty percent all the time, but work four years and then have the fifth year off and those kind oh. of things. So wow. again, thanks to the pandemic, people are realizing that things are they don't ha- we don't have to follow the same old models. So. Same here, there's a lot of companies moving to a four-day work week, which is, I think, very, very smart. Hey. 
also an anxiety that I have is that I won't get to see all of the world like I want to. (laughs) And I think I feel this because I struggle with like balancing my love of travel with my love of having a life and a routine at home close to family and friends. Because actually people do ask me this, especially on social media, like, why aren't you a full-time digital nomad? Because I actually could be because of my job. The main reason is because my partner's job doesn't permit him to be, but actually I don't know that I would like that. I actually chatted with um, a blogger, Explore with Laura, and we actually ran into each other in Puerto Vallarta and we were talking about this because she is a full-time digital nomad. And I was telling her like, When I travel full time, I don't even want to work on my blog. I just want to do nothing. I want to not work. It's that mixed with this balance of like, I do really love having my life at home. Like I really love Toronto. I love the people I have here. I love my cat. I love that I'm close to my family. I like my life here. And so I just want both. (laughs) I don't want to run away from it and travel like full time for years on end because I do like my life here. And that's like a strange like thing to balance because like that means less time to see every country in the world. (laughs) But really special times in your home base and with family and friends. And to your point about not seeing all the world, this has always bothered me too. I'm gradually coming to terms with it. But um, I remember (laughs) when I was living in Japan, so uh, we had a one-year contract and then we renewed because we thought we hadn't experienced it enough yet. And at the end of that second year, the boyfriend that I was traveling or living there with, between us, we had this theory that you need two years to get to know a place. You know, the first year, everything's new. And the second year, you're familiar and you know, you know, this, how the seasons work and what events come up and you feel a little bit like you've scratched a bit below the surface. And so we thought, okay, well, anywhere else we go, we'll have to live two years. And then <laughs> you quickly do a bit of quick maths and you think, wow, <laughs> even if I live to 100, I don't have that many lots of two years left compared to all of the places in the world that I would really like to do this. And so that was a bit of an eye-opener. But, um, but yeah, also... There's a lot of places I like returning to as well. I don't want to just see new places. I love going back to places with, you know, good friends and to dive deeper. So so that's um, tricky and I don't know how to solve that. Just accept that we can't see everything and and love and embrace the things that we do. But I also feel the same about not wanting to be a full-time. So I was essentially a full-time traveller, although I was working for those six years. I love that. I wouldn't swap any of that. But now, like looking ahead to, you know, you know, when my son's grown up, there's just me. I could do anything I want, but I don't think I want to move away and be permanently full-time traveling. I like having a base. There's still work I'd like to do that involves being in Perth and who knows what that'll look like in five or six years. But I like the idea of having a few months away and then coming back for a few months and having that kind of balance of a base and the people who you know well and the new experiences. So that's, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. And like, that's the thing too. I do enjoy working. I like, I like both. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And there are different phases of life where you'll have more or less of one or the other, but I think not losing touch with any of that, like trying to have a balance, even though that the, the kind of the proportions of that balance will change over time. Yeah, our struggle now is like, are we going to have a kid? It's like the constant 
discussion and we're so like flip-flop on it because we're just like well there's so much more traveling we want to do <laughs> i promise Which kids w- are good tra- kids kids who are brainwashed from an early age to be good travelers nearly always turn out to be good travelers so yeah we've yeah. talked about this it's more like it's more just oh it's more expensive once you bring yeah. a kid into the picture but I mean, there's always a way. (laughs) There's always a way. And this brings me to my next sort of talking point. One thing that I've definitely noticed as I get older is just that life gets more complicated. Now that I'm in my 30s, I know from real life experience that getting older, staying healthy is not a guarantee, but also your responsibilities change. I have way more responsibilities now than I did when I was in my 20s. A major one that I realize, like especially now, is my parents and my partner's parents are getting older and that makes us think like, we don't want to be far away. Like We don't want to live abroad on the other side of the world because we want to be there for those years with our parents and things like that become more obvious to you as you get older. And I like, I have a niece now. And I love her and I want to be there watching her grow up. You know, you know how it is. Like you just get older. And like when I was in my 20s, it was literally like, oh, I'm going to like go travel next month and quit my job. And just like nothing matters. It's just like me, it me, me in your 20s. Yeah. And that's you can be very like selfish. as it should be. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm really grateful for the travel that I did in my 20s just because now that I have more that I'm responsible for, it's more complicated to plan these like bigger trips and traveling on a whim is a little bit harder. Um, How have you found this like evolves over time? Yeah, so absolutely. I concur. I'm very, very grateful for those travels in my 20s because in times now when I have the responsibilities that don't let me travel as much, I really live off those memories. (laughs) Like I think about those times so much. And, you know, things obviously have changed, you know, especially having a kid, If it's a priority, it's possible that that doesn't change things as much as we think it will. So my son's first trip was when he was four months old and I, you know, long haul to Europe to visit family and friends there. And and he's been traveling ever since and absolutely loves it. I found it really important to balance potential regrets versus the safe way. So, you know, even when like even when I was newly divorced and, you know, financially nowhere near as stable as I am now, there was, you know, certain opportunities where I was, you know, this is uh, one of my son's cousins was getting married in Thailand and I was like, okay, there's no way we're going to miss that. You know, that only happens once. We'll find the money for that. And, you know, I was just more more hyper aware of finding ways to deal with that and and looking back now, gosh, I'm so glad I did. It was 2019, so, you know, pre-pandemic. And we found the cheapest flights of all, um, which not only went to Bangkok, but went on to Copenhagen, which is kind of a, it became this weird combo of a trip where we went to Thailand and Denmark. And it was the most fabulous trip. My son was nine or 10. The two of us had just such a blast. It was the best trip that I've been on. But it was, you know, we managed to do it really cheaply. We stayed in, you know, cheap Airbnbs. I had a tiny rental car. We had amazing, now looking at the flight prices now, we had amazingly cheap flights, but you know, there's a way. And I would have so, especially post-pandemic, would have so regretted not going. I relate to that point too, because like just now I'm planning to travel to Europe in the winter in March. 
um, mainly because my parents are going on their first like retirement trip and they're going to spend several weeks in Portugal. And so, of course, they said, will you come and visit us? Will you come and work from Portugal? Because we know you can. And to be honest, I was like, mm, I can't really afford this. But then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Like in 10 years, I'll probably hold those memories so close. Probably for the rest of my life, I will that time I'll spend with my parents in a little Airbnb in Portugal. And so I decided to do it. And I don't, I already don't regret it. I'm a little stressed about the money, but it'll be fine. Yeah, I think those sorts of things that the money feels ugh, like it feels awkward or, you know, it feels scary at the time. Um, but then years later, you've completely forgotten about that aspect of it. And, you know, you've worked it out financially. I mean, yeah, you know, we speak from a position of privilege with careers and stuff, but still I've always made sure I'm not endangering my financial situation, but at the same time recognising that, you know, sometimes those savings are there for those I don't want to regret this situations. Yeah, it's funny too because in my 20s I fully endangered myself <laughs> with the way I was. With, like I fully came back to the country with no money. <laughs> I had the privilege of parents who would feed me and give me shelter. <laughs> but now I think about that and I'm like, wow, I, I could never now do that. It would be yeah. too scary. <laughs> exactly, different phases of life. So, I mean, I have to confess, you know, my dad was a bank manager, my mum was, you know, in the finance sector too. And so I really was always, I mean, I still am very conservative with savings. And, you know, I've always managed to find a way to have both enough of a financial buffer that I'm not freaking out at night and managed to do the not regrets thing. I mean, like my son going on this big trip next year, <laughs> we went to the, the information night about this, this soccer tour and his words as we left, he's like, oh, that's a big number after they'd <laughs> explained the cost. And I was like, hmm. And then he said, but I know, you know, you went on a trip about the same age and you've always said that I, <laughs> that you'd want me to as well. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, you know exactly <laughs> all the things I'm thinking. Yes, that's a big number, but, you know, I know this will be an amazing life-changing trip. So we will work it out. And, you know, I kind of expected next year I'll work a little bit less. I thought I could be able to pull back a little bit, but I've got, you know, now I've got this big number that I need to take into account. And so there's plenty of other work I'll be able to pick up and it'll work out. Like I have no doubts. It's fine. It's fine. And it'll be worth it. It'll be so absolutely worth it. Yeah. I love what you said about how much you love traveling with your son because my partner and I, as we get older, we find ourselves like when we travel being like, oh, I wonder if we could like hack it with a kid on this trip. Like the whole time in Belize, we were like, we could probably hack this. Like we, we'd be okay. We could do this with a baby. <laughs> so you start yeah, to like romanticize it a little bit. Oh yeah. And it's much harder than you think. And sometimes you think it's the worst thing ever, but <laughs> I don't want to give you false, ex false expectations, yeah. but at the same time, like, you know, to see as your kid grows up and they appreciate the world, you know, in the way you really hoped that they would. And the worldview that he has from having traveled so much, I don't regret any sleepless night, you know, because you know how bad jet lag is. A jet lagged baby is a million times worse, but oh <laughs> all worth it because we all survive and I've kind of forgotten yeah. that now. So, Okay, so I think I know what the answer to this question is, but Amanda, do you have any regrets about how you've lived your life so far and how 
you factored travel into it. Is there anything you would do differently? So obviously I love, love, love this question and it's clear to you that I don't have regrets. I really, like I, I pondered this like early pandemic, I really felt. You just don't care. That's what we've <laughs> There's, That's an aspect of it, yes. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I certainly don't care what people think. I'm really proud of myself for having found the right balance of taking the opportunities that I thought I might, that I really would regret if I hadn't done them. Um, Because, you know, obviously there's endless possibilities of where you can go and when you can go there, you know, theoretical possibilities. I feel very grateful that I've managed to, I don't know how or why, but maybe by chance made what I feel like are the right decisions. Uh, For example, uh, quite a few years ago, my friend, uh, a dear friend, was working for six months in Inishman, so a little island in the Aran Islands off the coast of Ireland. And she was only there for six months. She was a close friend from Australia, but she lived on the other side, so I didn't see her very much. But it was just such a unique place for her to be based, and I was desperate to go and visit her while she was there. And it seemed the timing at the time, so my son was, I don't know, three or four and work-wise, all sorts of things seemed like not a great decision. But I was like, I have to go while she's there. I know this is, you know, I just feel so drawn to doing this. And so made it work somehow. And I absolutely would have regretted it so much if I hadn't gone to see. It was a fabulous trip and, you know, unique way to see a place. It was just perfect. So, and similarly, like the the wedding I mentioned in in, De- in Thailand and going on to Denmark, if I hadn't gone to that trip, I would absolutely regret it. I would have felt awful seeing, you know, the pictures of the wedding and then, you know, and now to have thought, you know, missed out on Denmark. So I don't know what it is. I literally don't regret any of those choices that I've made. And some of it is you just kind of forget the choices that you decided against, I guess, and you embrace what you do and, and love and cherish the memories that you make from what you do do. I'm not one for standing still and not kind of taking the risk, I suppose. I mean, my only regret is that I didn't travel more in my 20s. <laughs> I'm like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I probably could have squeezed in like a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> but you might have sacrificed too much to squeeze in more. True, you know, sometimes true. I think so, because it wasn't super common when I was at uni to do. Um, so first of all, it wasn't very common to do a gap year and studying abroad was pretty rare. But, you know, it wasn't something like I considered and turned down. It just didn't, you know wasn't really wasn't on, on the, the radar, radar and yeah. I think wasn't super common. But, you know, if I had my time again, I would love to go back and kind of do more of that. Like studying abroad during my degree would have been amazing. Like now I teach study abroad students when they come to Perth and I think, oh, they are just having the time of their lives and they're getting uni credit at the same time. And I thought, oh, this is, you know, that is special. So, but it's not really a regret. It's just, uh, you know, that's just how life was, but it would have been awesome. I did study abroad and it was really awesome. And I tell everyone, like, it's it's an amazing way to to travel and experience, like, another country. And it's also great because there's so much funding available for studying abroad that a lot of people don't realize, like, it's quite accessible if you're already in school. Well, Amanda, thank you so much. I always enjoy chatting with you. Me too. Alpaca Pals, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this episode, which actually is the final episode of season five, don't forget to share it with a fellow traveler. 
Make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast app. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can leave us a five-star review or support us on Patreon. We hope that you've enjoyed this season. We've put our heart and soul into it. So if you have, please feel free to support us in whatever way works for you. Katie, what's in store for the future of Alpaca My Bags? Well, I was just saying to you, Erin, about how I feel like we're on to some big things, talking about big industry changes that need to happen. So I am so excited to just keep basically like reporting. I think we're using journalism skills. Like I think we're really starting to dig in and investigate some big stuff that needs to happen in the travel industry. And that is definitely on the docket for season six. Yeah, we're going into our journalism era. I know, right? I got fresh bangs, like bang era, (laughs) journalism era. It's going to be great. Awesome. So listen, Alpaca Pals, we're already working on season six, but please be patient with us. While we're in the off season, we will reshare some older episodes that are our favorites. We might add in some intros with some new context for those episodes. And then you can expect to see season six back in your feed in the next few months. We're not going to say exactly when yet because we don't want to (laughs) commit to a specific day or time, but it will happen. Also, if any of our episodes stuck out to you this season that you really loved our approach to doing, like our Everest episode where we had a lot of fun off the top, or any of the topics that you really want us to explore more, please definitely reach out to us. Our email is in our show notes. You can also talk to us on social media. We see all of your tweets and all of your Instagram DMs and all of your emails. So we are always happy to chat with you about what you want to see from the show. Yes, please let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, literally any feedback that Anything you have. Anything you got. So helpful. <laughs> All right, well, let's do the spiel. Alpaca My Bags is written and hosted by me, Erin Hines, Woo-hoo! and it's produced by and edited by Katie Lore. That's me. In, that's you in Canada's Toronto area. If you want to check us out, just head to the show notes for all the info you need. And Alpaca Pals, we won't see you in two weeks, but we'll see you soon. So please, I'll pack your bags safely and soon. <laughs>